Welcome to Epignosis, the teaching ministry of Chris Morgan. May the light of God illuminate your heart and may the truth make you free as you listen. We have finally come to the last episode of the longest series we have run so far at Epignosis. We may have longer ones in the future, but for now, this is the longest. Now let us take a quick look at the whole thing in a nutshell. We started by looking at the history of weapons as they developed alongside human history, ending with the fact that though weapons are generally used, certain weapons are better understood and used by those who developed them. We then brought that fact down to Christian prayer culture where some borrow weapons developed to destroy for their own advantage. We however saw that the purpose of Christianity is not destruction but is to give life and reconciliation. This then means that everyone who deploys destructive weapons is working at odds with the purpose of Christ. We also saw that Christians have their own weapons used to fight the kind of battles that give us victory in our purpose, which is the battle to protect and maintain the mind for the purpose of knowing God. This means that the Christian battle is in the mind. To execute this warfare, we have dedicated weapons serving as armor to withstand the attacks that may ensue in life. So we are basically a defensive force, not offensive soldiers. This means those who go on attack do so outside Christian mandate and may be liable for whatever may happen to them in the process. We looked at the weapons themselves, which are the breastplates of righteousness used to protect ourselves while on duty, the foot guard of the gospel of peace used to ensure our development in the kingdom, then the shield of faith used as our first line of defense, and the helmet of salvation used to cover our eternity. Now, finally, we have the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Before we proceed to look into this weapon, let's go one more time to our foundation scripture, Ephesians 6, 13-17. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand, Stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, and having on the breastplates of righteousness, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith you are able to quench all the fairy darts of the wicked, and take the helmet of salvation, the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Fortunately, the Apostle went on to say what this weapon represents physically. He says, it's the Word of God. 
Now, a sword is actually a dual-purpose instrument in a sword fight. It serves both as a defensive and an offensive weapon. It's really the only weapon in the entire kit that can also be used for attack. All others serve only to defend. So why then did the Apostle designate the sword as the Word of God? Thinking about it, the Word of God can be used to defend just as Christ used it when Satan came to tempt him in the wilderness. He also used it to attack when he threw out the money changers who operated inside the temple premises. The Word of God is quite versatile if one can understand how to use it both to defend or to attack when it becomes necessary. But then, why does one need to use the Word of God at all? Why can't we just use our own words? After all, we are also made in the image of God. What exactly is the big deal in using what God said, either as defensive or offensive weapons? After all, we've been told we will have what we say. The thing is that what someone says is a representation of them. Every person owns their words. Sometimes when you want something to carry some extra weight in a situation, you can quote someone who is more influential than yourself. Now when you say the actual words, they may not mean very much to the person you are talking to until you say whose words they are. Then suddenly, the same set of words, which meant nothing, suddenly becomes weighty just because of whose words they are. So anytime you quote someone, you literally bring that person into that situation. Saying something means one thing, but saying God said it means something totally different. Now, unfortunately, this tool has been so abused over the years because of the power of quoting a powerful person in a certain situation. In this case, God. Many people, especially clergy and religious leaders, have so abused it. Knowing that once they say God said so, they can extract unquestioned obedience from their followers. It's been happening for thousands of years. This is the main reason they chose nowadays to call the Bible the Word of God rather than the Scriptures. This is because they know that they will make people obey it without question once they say so. But in the Bible itself, all written prophecies and records are referred to as the Scriptures. Nestled in those writings are direct quotes from the mouth of the Almighty Yahweh. So, properly studying those writings, or rightly dividing it, as Apostle Paul puts it, one can extrapolate those divine words and apply them in appropriate situations. The entire Bible is not the Word of God, but it contains the Word of God. Let me give some examples of what I'm talking about. 
both in the Old and the New Testament, there are places which speak about slavery as a normal thing. In the laws of Moses, there are specific instructions on acquiring and keeping a slave. And in the New Testament, slaves were encouraged not to seek their freedom. These favorable references to slavery makes it look as if God endorses it. But we all know that God could never endorse such a terrible thing. But the men who wrote these things did it because it was normal in their own time, not because God told them to write it. These slavery references in the Bible actually caused the American Civil War because the Southern Americans refused to stop slavery, citing its favorable references in the Bible. So now we can see the power in quoting God. It brings the authority of the Almighty into play in every situation, and all things are bound to comply once it is applied. Depending on the situation, one can use it to defend or as a means of attack. Let's try to see some practical applications of this. First of all, let's remember that all these weapons are for mental warfare, not physically killing, sending fire, or many things that people do in prayers today. They are also not necessarily prayer tools, but life tools. The attacks are always on your mind. Even if a person is the perpetrator acting physically, your mind is ultimately the target. Let's say someone attacks you by saying you will not amount to anything in your Christian beliefs. You can summon the words of Christ in Mark 10, 29 and 30, which says that no one who serves his cause will go unrewarded both in this life and the next as your defense. That person dare not say that Christ is lying, so you've won. If you go and quote someone the person doesn't regard, then the battle continues. Remember once again that this is about your own mind, not the attacker's mind. Attackers can think what they like, but those weapons defend your own mind, not theirs. Actually, in spiritual warfare, no one can fight the battles of another. We must all fight our own battles. By quoting that scripture, you insulate your mind from being harassed by their words. What I have just explained applies to all the weapons detailed in this series. It's all about the defense of your own mind, not another person's. However, you can use the word of God offensively to try to change another person's mind for their own good. Just as I'm doing in this podcast, I'm right now engaged in a battle for the mind of my listeners. But the listener must take what I'm saying and use it to fight their own battle, or else it will amount to nothing for them. So this is it. The battle for the collective mind of humanity has been raging for millennia. 
no one is exempt from this fight you are in it whether you are aware of it like it or not most times we imagine spiritual warfare to be like physical altercations but that's an erroneous line of thought it's a battle of the mind these weapons we have lined up the breastplates of righteousness the foot guard of the gospel of peace the shield of faith the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit are all held and operated in the mind for its defense and well-being remember that the weapons of our warfare are not carnal or physical but mighty through God for throwing away strongholds which are strong held traditions and lines of thought which constitute a mental barrier to the full knowledge of God let us endeavor to retain a consciousness of these weapons at all times and we will surely live and maintain a victorious time in this life in Jesus mighty name amen thank you so much for listening and God bless you. We hope you were blessed by these teachings. For inquiry, support, and contributions, kindly send us an email on epignosis721 at gmail.com. You can also send us a message via WhatsApp on 234 we would love to hear from you. God bless you.